I would avoid accepting such a gift. If it is a circumstance of dawah, that is, where you are trying to get close to this person in order to give them some guidance, to clarify some things for them, to bring them closer to Islam, correct some of their mistakes, then it may be better to accept it on the basis of facilitating dawah. Because if you reject it, perhaps it would uh, make it difficult for you to try to communicate with them afterwards. But if it's a situation where, you know, this is not the case, then where you, are, you, you know the person is involved in, in haram, likely they're earning their, their money, they're working at a bank, or any other of these type of situations where you're certain that they're getting a um, portion of their wealth is coming from haram, then it's better not to accept gifts from them. And of course to tell them in a kind way, in a gentle way, you appreciate their thoughts, their concern for you, but you know, based on the fact that their earnings are haram, uh, you know, in order to try to protect yourself from your home, you would avoid uh, accepting such gifts. My husband wants me to wear the niqab. I'm not ready as yet to take this step. I do dress with jilbab and the big khimar. Am I disobeying him? Take into consideration that the niqab is not fard, that there is a difference of opinion on this issue. Please advise. Advise. Well, if we take the position that the wearing of niqab is recommended, commendable, not far. And the husband asks the wife to do something which is from Islam, then technically speaking she should obey him. My advice to the brother would be, you know, if your wife is not ready for it as yet, give her a chance to grow. I mean, that is a counter advice from the other side. But at the same time, for the sisters, if the brother asks you to do something which is a part of Islam, which is acceptable in Islam, uh, then you are supposed to comply with his wish. Is it permissible for a woman to go out without a mahram for something important, such as taking a child to a school or a doctor, etc.? Yes, this is permissible. What is not, what, where the issue of permissibility comes in, it is really in the area of, of travel, where a person is journeying, going on a journey. You know, not just moving about within the city, but going on a journey from that city to another city. Huh? Those are the times when the issue of uh, having a mahram, you know, according to the majority of scholars, become uh, something where they have differed also as to whether it is possible um, at all. Some scholars hold that it is not possible if a woman is leaving the bounds of a city into another area, it is not permissible for her to travel without a mahram at all. Whereas the majority of scholars hold that as long as that journey is not longer than a day and a night, it is permissible for her. And in the case where a woman, for example, has no mahram, she has converted to Islam, she has no mahram, uh, 
then for herself to travel to seek knowledge is permissible because she is required Islamically to gain knowledge and she has no mahram to, to accompany her to gain the knowledge then in that circumstance and there is no community to provide a means of getting that knowledge then it will be permissible for her to travel to get that knowledge. Can animals besides pork slaughtered by the people of the book be consumed by Muslims? There are a number of Muslims lately eating kosher meat with this excuse. It is legitimate. Kosher meat is considered halal meat according to Islamic law. And if a Christian also sacrifices an animal um, and uh, cuts the neck of the animal while it is alive, this meat is also classified as halal meat. And this is according to the Quran. You know, this, uh, the issues that uh, some people try to raise that the Christians of today are not like the Christians of the time of the Prophet This is a weak argument because the basic deviation that took place in Christianity had already occurred by the time the final revelation came in the 7th, 8th century. It was already all there. The three gods in one, everything else was there. Is it a sin to hate that your husband wants a second wife? No. How can one open their heart towards a polygamous relationship? Uh, keep in mind this sister thinks polygamy is okay, even recommended, but with her husband she is jealous. Well, one can, one can ask the law to remove these feelings from the heart. Uh, one can look at it as being a part of the test of this life and that if one is patient with it, though it is difficult, that Allah will reward that individual for her patience. So she, by looking at it as a means of, of uh, reward, because we look at sickness, you know, by being patient with sickness, you know, Prophet Muhammad has said that it is purification from sin, by being patient with a situation like that of polygamy, wherein uh, one is jealous, one uh, doesn't like it, but one is patient with it. I mean, this is of course where justice exists, not in circumstances of injustice, but where justice exists, that being patient with it, Allah will reward that individual that much more. What is the correct way to treat your non-Muslim neighbors? To if they greet us, to greet them back, to give them food, if you are having food, to send some over, to, to develop some kind of positive uh, relationship with them, as a means of opening the door to give them some literature or some uh, tapes or something, you know, to try to open the door to get some Islam across to them. And this doesn't, treating non-Muslims in a kind way doesn't affect the principle of al-wala and al-bara where we love the believers and we hate the disbelievers is the basic principle because what is not permissible is that we love the disbelievers over the believers because there will be people who do good to us, who are kind to us, etc who we naturally will love, and that natural love is 
a part and parcel of what Allah has created us with and there is no harm in that as long as we don't allow that love to cause us to take the disbelievers as confidants, as close friends who we depend on instead of believers. What are the dress requirements of a woman in the home? Well, it depends on what you mean in the home. If you mean in the presence of non-Muslims, then, oh, sorry, in the presence of uh, males who are non-Mahram, so I meant to say non-Mahram, uh, then the dress requirements in the home is the same as the dress requirements in the street. In the case of uh, people who are from the Mahram, then the woman is allowed to relax her uh, covering to the point of what they consider to be the major parts of the aura, you know, what is below the neck to what is above the knee. You know, if her arms are exposed, you know, below her knee is exposed, it's permissible. As you just mentioned, there is, a, of course, an issue which has to do with the non-Muslim women and the aura of Muslim women amongst non-Muslim women. Scholars have differed on this issue. Some have held that the woman, a Muslim woman, should cover herself, uh, at least covering all of her body, not necessarily wearing jilbab, etc., but at least covering her hair, not exposing any part of her body in front of a non-Muslim woman. Uh, other scholars hold that it is permissible the non-Muslim woman is like the mahram that she may expose as she exposes to the mahram and this opinion is expressed by Sheikh bin Baz you know when he was asked this question himself so in other words actually this includes for example breastfeeding that a woman may breastfeed in front of a non-muslim woman or other women you know which involves exposing her breast to them but this is uh, in, in the case of um, breastfeeding women this is permissible is it permissible to teach children using music and singing? It has become very difficult to avoid these methods even in Islamic schools. Well, music, if music has to do with uh, the forbidden uh, instruments, wind and stringed instruments, then it is forbidden anyhow. Uh, if it is using a duff, a little drum-like thing that you hit to provide some rhythm as you are singing with them, then it is permissible. Is it permissible to declare bankruptcy on a student loan where they charge interest? We have called and asked to be charged without interest. The loan is for 11000 We have to pay off 3000 We want to go for Hajj, but we are told we can't until we are debt-free. To declare bankruptcy on a student loan. And so the point is a person, when they take a student loan, they have signed a contract saying that they will pay interest. Once you have signed that contract as a Muslim, you are bound by your word, you know. It's not a question that we can say, well, we're dealing with non-Muslims and this is the only way and we will just, you know, renege when the time comes to pay. No, because then what you have done is you have become like the Jews who make it permissible to take interest from non-Jews but not permissible amongst themselves. You know, righteousness is righteousness and there are no lines that we draw so we are righteous to uh, Muslims and unrighteous to non-Muslims. So where one has a debt that has to be cleared, one has to do so before making Hajj. Now, 
if that debt is something that you are paying off on a monthly basis, say for example over a year, you know, it's not something which is you know, obligatory from you at that moment, that you owe 3000 and they need that 3000 then, you should pay it within the next month, but you have it spread out over a period of time, then it is still possible for you to go to make Hajj if you know you have money, which you will be able to pay on a monthly basis and complete that payment. Are there any specific prayers for women to say during her pregnancy or delivery? It is common in our culture, Pakistan, for women to recite to a Maryam in order to make the birth easy. Is this permitted? Uh, it is possible to recite to a Maryam whether it will make the birth easy or not. There's another question. We have no hadith from Prophet to that effect. So any, no one can claim that this will happen. But reciting Quran during times of pregnancy, any portions of the Quran, uh, any du'as, uh, the Prophet had taught us in times of physical uh, ailments, etc., to utilize these du'as. Inshallah, with that, uh, Inshallah, Allah will make things easier for them. Uh, and if not, uh, whatever difficulty they face, they should look at it as being purification from sins and uh, be patient with it. <clears throat> Can a Muslim wife request a separate residence from her in-laws? What rights does she have to privacy in her own husband's home? Yes, she has the right to separate residence. The husband cannot make her live with her in-laws unless she agrees. And even when they do so, within that home there should be an area which is the, the wife's area which she has control over. Not that she has to be functioning out of the same kitchen and out of the same, you know, bathroom areas as the rest of the family, you know, where difficulties and problems are likely to arise. So the uh, woman should have an area, the house should be divisible in such a way that she will have her own area, uh, of, which is her own area of control. There is a woman I know who converted to Islam and then got married to a Muslim, but now the husband doesn't practice Islam. So this woman going to be punished because she does not even pray and her husband doesn't even teach her to pray. Well, teaching knowledge is compulsory for her. She needs to learn to pray. Uh, whether her husband prays or he doesn't pray, it is still her responsibility. Um, she cannot stand before Allah on the Day of Judgment and say, I didn't learn how to pray because my husband didn't pray. No. She has a responsibility to gain that knowledge herself. And if she doesn't seek to gain it, then she can be punished for not performing her prayers. It is forbidden to hit young children in order to discipline them. No. Although some scholars hold, like Sheikh Nasir, hold that uh, young children should only be hit for prayer, because the hadith uh, mentioned you teach your children salat at the age of seven and spank them for it at the age of ten, so that they should not be struck for any other reason. He's, he's taken the literal uh, text of the hadith, not that uh, hitting from the hadith is, is made permissible, but he, he's taken it as being only in that context. Whereas the majority of scholars hold that it is permissible to hit young children for discipline, but I would say that that hitting should only take place uh, when a person is not in a state of anger. That the hitting should really be for discipline and not, you know, a venting of emotions out of anger one is striking the child, because then the child will not learn discipline, the child will only learn to avoid mother when she's angry. Transition of making hijrah to the UAE and wanted to know if they have treatment for asthma and diabetes. 
is it right for an ex-husband to fight you in court for child custody when, when she's doing the best she can for the child? Two questions. Um, in terms of treatment for asthma and diabetes, uh, as far as I know, the treatment does exist there. The, um, in the UAE, the medical facilities there are quite advanced. In terms of the husband fighting in the court for custody of the child, um, one would have to say, what is the condition here? Uh, the sister is saying she's doing the best she can for the child, but perhaps that best uh, is not sufficient. If the child's needs are not being uh, looked after properly, then if she will not give, her, give the child up to her husband so that he could provide the necessary means for the child, then it would be legitimate for him to seek to gain custody through the court. But if she is uh, taking care of the child properly and he is providing the uh, maintenance that he should for the child, then of course it's not permissible for him to seek custody uh, from her. What is the best strategy? Actually, what I'll do is that, you know, as we're going through the questions, if somebody is the one who wrote the question, for example, and something is not clear from what I said and they want to make a follow-up, you can just raise your hand and you can uh, state what you'd like to follow up with. Go ahead, please, sir. Could you raise your voice a bit, please? Well, of course this is wrong. If he is not providing maintenance, he has no right to seek that. I mean, because if he were providing what he should be providing, then whatever the child needs would be fulfilled. So that would not be legitimate. What is the best strategy to deal with a Muslim who after taking or talking to After talking to them, showing them the proof from the Quran, the Sunnah, still is doing haram things, i.e. wearing transparent hijab, wearing perfume, makeup outside the home, taking consideration if the person is your roommate in close quarters with you. Well, you shouldn't break ties with that person. I haven't finished answering the question yet. You shouldn't break ties with that person. Uh, you should still continue to advise that person. You want to keep the door open because you never know when a good word from you is going to affect that person. Because our job fundamentally, as Allah said to Prophet that his responsibility is to guide, is, is to convey the message. That what is on the Prophet is balag. This is conveying the message. And Allah is the one who would take people to account. The account is with Allah. What happens? Whether they're guided, whether they're not guided, this is left with Allah. Our job is just to convey the message. And as long as people are willing to listen to that message, then we should continue to convey the message. Somebody wanted to follow up on that? No? How does one dress in front of the father-in-law, considering we live in the same house? Can you elaborate more in reference to the proper dress in front of 
other believing women I heard sleeveless dresses, shirts, etc. are not permissible in front of each other. Uh, the general opinion is that it is permissible. Sleeveless dresses, shirts, etc. in front of other women is permissible. The in the case of the father-in-law, because the father-in-law is a mahram for life. Father-in-law is a mahram for life. One may be in front of him covering the major part of the aura, and what is beyond that, one may not. But of course, see what we're talking about is, that is like the minimum. That is the minimum. In some countries where people have limited amounts of clothing, etc., etc., then we know that at least that much is permissible for them. But, of course, for a woman to maintain, you know, a more complete covering, for example, just only leaving out her hair or maybe parts of her arm, something like this, this would be better because even though uh, people may be considered mahram, we do know that interest does take place, etc. So we don't want to wear anything which would maybe encourage uh, behavior uh, which is uh, sinful. But just to know what is actually required, the basic requirement, this is legally the basic requirement. What should you do if your husband does not want to make hijra? Well, again, one has to look at the situation, you know, how bad the situation is. What are you and your husband doing? Are you involved in establishing community, involved in da'wah, you know, are your children in Islamic school, so on, so you can see that uh, you are able to practice, you know, a good deal of Islam. In such circumstances, then if he doesn't want to make hijra at this point, it's better for you to stay with him. But if it is a circumstance where, you know, the family is falling apart, the children are going out of Islam, uh, you can hardly practice, you're being, you're put under a lot of pressure there, and, and uh, you need to impress on him the need for hijrah. My advice would be to talk to other brothers who may talk to this person if he has the means to make hijrah, to encourage him to do so. And if in the end you feel that you're, uh, he doesn't want to change, you know, people are pressing him and he still won't accept it, and you care for your deen, when you reach a state where you care for your deen remaining in a given circumstance, it is then permissible for you to seek uh, annulment to khula of your marriage so that you can survive, uh, you, you and your Islam can survive. Somebody said something? I know that gold is not haram, but a hadith whereby Fatima was wearing a gold ring and the Prophet told her to remove it, uh, does this make it haram? The, the point is, considering the various hadith, you know, we have to take all of them together. And the conclusion of the majority of scholars with, with regards to the hadith on gold is that it is permissible for women. We can conclude from the hadith of the Prophet in which he uh, seemed to disfavor uh, wearing of gold as a general recommendation that it would be better for women to avoid it. But the, in, the, in the end, the bottom line is that it is permissible for them.
Okay, with regards to the question of of oral sex, uh, there, there are a number of, of early scholars who have uh, stated that this is permissible. This is found in Qurtubi's uh, tafsir, which is one of the most classical tafsirs of the Quran, that it is permissible. Some of the scholars of this time who have addressed the issue have identified it as not being permissible. Uh, <clears throat> what I would say is that when you consider issues of haram and halal, there's a general rule that you can use to determine what approach should you take to this particular thing. If it is something which is from worship, from the acts of worship, what are known as ibadat, then you should assume that all of such acts are forbidden unless the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu has specifically made it permissible. Whereas the other category is what are known as the mu'amalat. These are social dealings which have to do with uh, individual social relations, man-man relations, male-female relations, trade, uh, the kind of dress you wear, all these different types of things. This, the basic rule in this is that it is all halal except that which the Prophet or the Quran has specifically forbidden. So if we look at the issue of oral sex, we have to say this is from mu'amalat and not from the, the level of ibadat. So for us to say it is haram, then it requires specific evidence to prohibit it. And really the texts do not specifically prohibit it. You know, people may judge or may conclude or may draw, you know, answers or, or, or principles on the basis of general issues, like for example the issue of Najasa, urine is Najis, so the place where urine comes from could be classified as a place of Najasa. So, to put oneself in that situation where uh, you want to say, well, this is something abhorrent, you know, you could, you could argue that it is something abhorrent. But then again, to say it is forbidden, uh, again you run into a problem. Because though something which is maybe on your clothes may be considered to be not permissible, right? Uh, blood, for example, it is not permissible for you to, to have it on your clothes. But for you to take a blood transfusion for out of need medically so and so, this is permissible. Uh, drinking blood, per se, this is not permissible. Uh, in the case of urine, we know Prophet prescribed for uh, the some people who are sick in Medina drinking camel's urine along with milk. So, you know, there are issues concerning urine that maybe it's on your clothes, you can say this is Najata, of course, if you get it on your clothes you should not pray on it, you should remove it. But the other issues that come up which have to do with sex and so on so, then this doesn't have an issue concerning prayer, etc., etc. So, it's not sufficient an argument to say on the basis of this we can say it's haram. Where, where is the proof about niqab? Where does it say that niqab is recommended? What do you do if you believe that a person should wear a face cover or niqab and your husband says he can't because he fears for your safety? Since in the U.S. people react or can react very poorly to this. The issue of, uh, of niqab, 
we know that this is the this was the way of the wives of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They covered themselves up completely, and we know that there are narrations about when the the verse of hijab came, how the women covered themselves with only one eye was visible. These are all narrations, you know, relating to it. So. At minimum, we can say that it was, it would be a recommended practice. If it was practiced by the wives of the Prophet Muhammad and the believing women of Medina, you know, many of them, then we can say from the, on the basis of this that this is, uh, preferable. But the issue of it being compulsory, of course, this is the issue wherein scholars have differed. Now, where a woman feels that it is compulsory for her to cover her face, because she has seen the evidence, whatever, and she concludes that it is compulsory. And her husband says she cannot. Then, technically speaking, we'd have to say that she should cover her face. Because she believes that it is compulsory, in which case for her to uncover her face would be sinful. But what I would say to the sister is that since there is a difference of opinion on this issue, that there are well-known scholars who hold that it is uh, not compulsory and others hold that it is compulsory, that if your husband is requesting you something which among the scholars, well-known scholars, they hold that this is permissible, then again it is preferable to comply with the wishes of your husband. But before doing that I would still say to advise or have some other brothers who uh, could advise the sisters, uh, advise your husband to uh, allow you to do so, uh, that they try to advise him in that way. But if he insists, then I would say personally that it would be uh, better for you to go along with your, your husband's position, uh, though in your heart know that, inshallah, that this is what you prefer, and of course uh, Allah will uh, reward you for your intention to do so and at the same time for your intention to follow the uh, instructions of your husband in an area which the deen does indicate some difference where some leeway where a person may or may not do it. I took a loan when I was in disbelief then became Muslim and now I have to pay the loan. Am I accountable for that? No, you're not held to account in the sense that you're paying interest that you're held account for that because this is before Islam. My husband is poor. Is it allowed for me to work if I'm going to sell pork? Someone told me it is haram. Well, of course, uh, what is forbidden to us is forbidden for us to sell. And we should avoid workplaces where we're involved in selling what is haram. But if one is a situation, is in a situation where this is the only means of providing for your family, then one may do so temporarily until one finds another option. And one should be actively seeking another option. If you are invited to a friend's house and you feel that it will cause more fitna by going, and I know that if a Muslim invites you, you have to go. Well, if you are not, if you are trying to avoid fitna, 
if you're trying to avoid fitna, then for you not to go, because whenever we have something again which is from the sunnah, something recommended of us, if that thing may lead to a greater problem, then we may give up that aspect of the sunnah. And this is well-known principle that if in trying to do something which is good, not something compulsive, but something which is good, one is going to bring about a greater problem, then it is better to avoid that small good to prevent the bigger evil. Sisters relaxing their hijab when in the company of other Muslim women or non-Muslim women. Some women may be too talkative and may talk about what they see and do in the company of other women. Of course, that possibility does exist, but that becomes their sin. That becomes their sin. A husband and wife have relations and when a woman sits with other women, she may talk about it. So, because of the fact that women may talk about these things, should we say that women shouldn't sit together? No. If, if the woman talks about what takes place, transpires in the bedroom, then she carries the sin of having done so. She shouldn't. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It is sinful. To do so, she will carry the sin. But because this is a possibility, can we say that women shouldn't sit together, married women shouldn't sit together because it is possible that they may talk about what goes on in the bedroom? No. We cannot make that rule because of what may happen. So in the same way, because if women when sitting together relax their hijab, some women may talk about the duty of some other women or whatever aspects of their themselves. This is not sufficient argument to say that the women should maintain the hijab because other women may talk. No. What one can do for oneself, if one fears that oneself, then one can maintain one's hijab. But we're, what we're talking about is a principle for people in general. You know, what you personally, you as an individual may feel that you want to do, you want to do more, uh, you want to maintain certain things that are not required of you, this is permissible. What should I do when I am left with my brother-in-law alone in the house with him? I don't like it, but the people I live with don't understand why it is wrong. Well, when you're left in the house alone with him, you try to avoid being in a room alone with him. Being in the house alone with him is not in and of itself prohibited if your husband permits it. Right? Actually, if your husband permits, for example, he knows somebody is coming and he's not going to be in the house and he says, please, when the person comes, let them in, go and sit in the front room, you stay in the other part of the house, this is permissible. This is with the husband's permission. So, a brother-in-law, even more so, if he has, uh, he can be in the house there, but you'd avoid sitting in a room alone with him, which is the point at which fitna can occur. And you should insist 
that, for example, he may not walk into parts of the house because he may take it upon himself. He may be in the kitchen. He wants to come in the kitchen and be there with you. In such circumstance, you should, you know, insist or instruct him that uh, he should not do so or ask your husband to instruct him in that way. If taking a loan from the government for university haram, if the loan involves signing a contract Pardon? I can't hear. Yes. These are living together. Yeah. If your brother-in-law is in the same house with you, yeah, so what are you asking? Is it permissible to live in the same house with your brother-in-law? Is that what you're asking? So this is what I'm saying, that in such a case where you find yourself in a situation where your brother-in-law is in the house with you also, then you sh your husband should instruct him to stay out of these areas that you are. Let him stay in another part of the house and you are in another part of the house. Or if he comes into the kitchen he wants to get something, then you leave the kitchen. So that you don't end up in the same uh, room or particular area alone with him. I mean, of course, Islamically, you should, because we asked, we asked before, is it, you know, should a woman have her own place or should she live with her family, including her in-laws? Huh? This, the point is that she has a right to have her own space, her own area. That if the house, the house should be divided in such a way that she can function in that area without other people coming into her space. That is the proper way. So if one finds oneself in an improper circumstance, I'm just saying if. I'm not saying that this is permissible. I'm just saying if it so happens, then what do you do? To function, my advice would be not to be in the same room alone with the person. At least that way you have prevented the greater forbidden circumstance where Prophet has said that if a man and woman are alone, the third is shaitan. Is that clear? It's taking a loan from the government for university haram. As I said, if the loan involves signing a contract of interest where you're going to pay back interest, then that loan is haram. What alternative, what alternative does one have if it is haram? What alternative? Well, you see, this goes into the whole area of education and community. Uh, there's a lot of factors involved here. One is the area that the person is going to study a critical area. Because actually going to university Going to university in these countries, we could say on a general principle, is haram. Because of the mixing, mixing that happens in the university, as a general principle. So if a person is going, if a woman is going to university, it's for both men and women. If they're going to university, they should be going to university for a particular course which is needed by the community, so they're going to get some knowledge which is critical to the survival of the community. They're not just going into the university, you know, just to 
study for the sake of studying, for the, the university lifestyle, they just like to experience what it is like to be in a university, taking courses in sociology and psychology and these kind of, you know, things. They should be in there for something which is of critical need to the community. Female dentists, female gynecologists, you know, these type of fields, teachers, uh, which are, were necessary because we need to have Islamic schools, etc., etc., they should be going in for something which is community-oriented. They're going in to get some knowledge which is needed by the community. Brother, I'm working with a non-Muslim, and as a Muslim, I am responsible to make dawah. But the non-Muslim who I work with is not interested in... interested. They actually make mockery about Islam. Well, in such a circumstance, one has fulfilled one's responsibility by trying to convey Islam to them. If they don't want it, then there's no more responsibility on you. My parents want my sister's nikah to be done during a tablighi jamaat congregation where the groom goes away for the weekend and the bride is asked before they go away. Where the groom goes away for the weekend the bride is asked before they go I'm not really understanding this too well. The groom goes away for the weekend. The groom goes away with, by himself for the weekend. He goes out with the jamaat for the weekend. This is after the marriage or before the marriage? After the marriage, he immediately goes out. This is not good. Uh, this is not good. I mean, where they, put, where they get married, then they should have time together, you know, following the marriage. Yeah, this, these circumstances, you know, are not uh, permissible. Circumstances where people get married, the husband has a responsibility to establish the foundation of the marriage. And um, 
I mean, to go away immediately after the actual ceremony, this would not be uh, proper Islamically. In the case where we have jihad, you know, because the problem with this, why this occurs, is that people are equating going out to the jamaat to going out on jihad. You know, fisa bilillah, because it's both called, they call both fisa bilillah. And but in reality, they're not the same. Going on jihad, where the Muslim ummah is, is, is uh, under attack, Muslim ummah is under attack, or one to, to, to leave immediately after marriage for that purpose, to defend the ummah, this is another situation. But just to go out on a trip, uh, with Sadawa, this is not a justifiable circumstance immediately on performing the nikah. May women swim together wearing bathing suits, and if not, what is it, what is it permissible for them to wear? Keep in mind that they are wet clothes clean. Yes. Uh, as long as the bathing suit covers the area of uh, major aura, that is from the knee area uh, and up to the shoulders, something of that nature which doesn't expose the actual shape of the body, that's the shape of the thighs and the area, buttocks, etc. And if they wear something that means it has to be somewhat loose, there are certain types of material which don't cling, not all wet clothes cling. Uh, then it is permissible for them to cover at least that much. And swim together. Only women, of course, women, amongst women, uh, in an area where it is, you know, firmly established that there are no men going to come in amongst them, etc. Is waxing the feet allowed in Islam? Yes. Putting on hinna in floral patterns on the hand allowed? Yes. Is it wrong to have a prayer meeting, reading of the Holy Quran by some learned people and asking dua for your deceased relative, for mother, father, son, etc.? It is not from the Sunnah. He categorized, but he didn't say anything about the others. And since this is an act of worship, without finding a clear statement and practice of the Prophet it is, we should assume that it is not really permissible. So my advice is that if the people want to do something for the dead, then pray for them. Make dua. This is what Prophet Muhammad permitted, so this is what should be done. And in the reading of the Qur'an by some learned people, um, I don't even know what this means, some learned people, whether it means like uh, Maulana's or something, come and read the Qur'an. So usually when people make this gathering of reading, they divided the Qur'an into different parts and they give it to everybody and they read it all one on top of the other. Where Allah tells you in the Qur'an that if the Qur'an is recited, you should be silent and listen. So in fact, when they're doing this, they're actually going against the teachings of the Qur'an itself. Is it permissible for women to use any form of contraceptive? What if she wants to breastfeed her baby for the full two years as required? Yes, contraceptive is per contraception is permissible. Uh, with the agreement of the husband, uh, as long as it is known that this contraception will not cause harm to the woman. There is a hadith that states that one should sleep on their back or side and not on the stomach. Does that apply to babies as well? Because some babies sleep better on the stomach. It applies to babies. 
meaning that it is better for you not to put the child to sleep in this way. In fact, recent studies on sudden death syndrome amongst children, where children die in their sleep, have shown that one of the common characteristics amongst the children that die in their sleep is that they were put to sleep on their stomachs. So in England, they made a general recommendation not to put children to sleep on their stomachs, and they found that after nine years from the time they made a general recommendation, that the rate of sudden death syndrome has dropped by over 70%. People say we can eat the meat of the people of the book. So they eat the meat in the fast foods and supermarkets because this is a Christian country. This is good. And what about the meat of the Shia? Well, there are some studies being done about the meat available here. Uh, the Juma magazine has, seen, has done a series of articles where they've raised some questions uh, with regards to the methods of slaughter and, you know, whether the stunning of the animals lead to their death before cutting the neck and things like this. Where there is major doubt like this, uh, similar studies need to be done here to make general pronouncements. But meat which is in the Jewish uh, outlet, kosher meat, this is definitely halal. There is no if and bust about it. In fact, they are more particular about their slaughter even than the Muslims. They found Muslims, for example, Muslim, uh, those selling so-called halal meat in England, they did a survey of them and found that, you know, some 50-odd percent of them were just taking meat from the regular butcher and putting it there and calling it halal. I mean, whereas the Jews, you know, are, are, are much more stringent, you know, in their ensuring that the meat that they're selling is, in fact, halal, uh, kosher. Well, you know, where there is doubt like this, where one feels doubt personally, then one should avoid it, you know. Uh, if one feels comfortable going on the general situation in the country where the vast majority of people are Christians, but that's enough for them, then that's an option that they have to take. You know, you may not like it personally for yourself, you may not like it for your children, etc., etc., but at the same time, you have to respect their rights if they want to go according to the general state of the mass of the people and take their foods accordingly. What about the needs of the Shia? I would say that the meat that they slaughter would be haram. Based on the fact Continue until
أشهد أن محمد رسول أشهد أن محمد We have only one changing room. Did you say you can show certain parts? I guess of us is permissible to change in this situation. Uh, if this is amongst women, I mean, if this work environment involves men and the changing room, there are men there, of course not. But if it's an all-woman area, all-female area, then it is permissible, making sure that the area of major aura is not exposed. Because a Muslim woman has to cover her feet at all times when she wears sandals. It's possible to wear sandals uh, in circumstances where her outer garment covers the tops of her feet. That is the norm. The norm is that her outer farmer should come down and reach to the point where when she stands normally, it comes down and covers the tops of her feet. What she wears underneath that sandals is perfectly permissible. This is what the women in the time of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi wore. They wore sandals. If while she's walking, a piece of her foot becomes visible or not, this is a part of what the verse says that she should cover except illa ma zahara minhu except what will appear from her aura naturally outside of her out, uh, you know normally if she if she's walking and and uh, the wind blows against her and her um, outer garment forms part the shape of her body and this is not helpful counsel that this is what has happened naturally beyond her control if while she's walking a little piece a piece of her foot shows or whatever her toes or whatever while she's walking this is not held as, as against her the wearing of socks becomes something necessary when a woman wears an outer garment or wears a garment which doesn't cover the tops of her feet so her, toes, her feet are going to be exposed all the time in such a case then it is better for her to wear socks she should wear socks what should a sister do if after making ghusl after relations with her husband 
maybe one and a half hours later, she feels fluid coming from that area, a large or small amount. Should she make ghusl again, wudu, or what should she do? She should make wudu. The ghusl is only a requirement after the sexual act. Anything which passes from the body beyond that requires wudu and not ghusl, unless it is in the course of a wet dream. How can sisters enjoy themselves at Eid or weddings? What instruments are halal? As I said, the drum, the drum like the duck, tambourine-like instruments without belt. What words are halal? The words which are the words praising Allah, or words which have uh, which have no haram meanings to it. Neutral. What is neutral and what praises Allah? You know what reminds person of being so and so. These are permissible. Can they dance? How they can dance? Uh, if the da- as long as the dance is not the type of dance that these people, you know, the disbelievers do, which is uh, sexually oriented, you know, it is dancing which is more like what you would call folk dancing, you know. My mother is pressing me to go to university. I wear a niqab, and I think I can be an asset to our community as a teacher. I love to study, but I'm afraid of the ikhtilat. Well, if you are afraid of the ikhtilat, meaning you feel that you cannot deal with it, then of course you shouldn't put yourself in such a circumstance. If you are afraid, but you still want to go ahead, meaning your fear is what is going to try to keep you from going beyond the bounds while you're in the university, then it's good. You should fear the ikhtilat. Uh, in case of the death, after I finish, there will be six months without interest after this, interest will start. Well, of course, the issue here, you know, which comes up, is that you signed the contract. When you sign a contract which says, I, I will pay interest after six months, then this is a contract of interest. So really, that type of circumstance for one to go to study is only justified where there is an absolute need in the community, critical area where there is nobody and we must have somebody at the quickest time possible. Otherwise, then it is better for that person to, to be patient and wait and find some other means of studying without involving themselves in contracts of interest. Sisters rent a pool for two hours a week. However, the lifeguards are non-Muslim women. Is this recommended? It is permissible. Recommended, of course, from the point of view for children. Prophet said, teach your children swimming. This is amongst the things that they were told to teach them. So it is recommended in that sense. Is black a preferred color of hijab for sisters? I would not say it is preferred, but it is among the colors that they may choose. The general principle with regards to that outer garment is that it should